bring in TD Ameritrade contributor Kevin Green to the Future Show. Kevin, welcome. Good to have you with us here. We were talking about some of the weakness we saw into the end of the week and to begin the fourth quarter. I'm looking at the S&Ps, the NASDAQ, wrapping up their first three-quarter losing streak than since 2009. The Dow uh, dropped almost 7% in the third quarter, its first three-quarter losing streak. Since 2015, uh, we were just talking with Mark Chandler from Bannockburn. He was talking about how possibly some of that inflation has eased, uh, commodity prices coming off. I guess investors are hoping that uh, we'll be able to turn things around for the fourth quarter. Yeah, there's a lot of dynamics going in in the fourth quarter here. And I would say, Ben, uh, from a seasonality standpoint, especially when you look at a midterm election year, you do tend to see a little bit of a mm -hmm. run to the upside mm -hmm. towards the end of the year. So I think the market is kind of preparing for that. But October is also historically a, a pretty volatile month until we get to the last week of the month. That's when we start seeing that push to the upside here. I think there's a lot of economic data we also need to focus on as well. We have a lot coming up this week. Uh, I think the big one to, to really focus on is going to be the jolts number. Um, what's very interesting right now the forecast out there for this week is going to be 11.35 million uh the previous estimate was 11.24 million wow. so they're actually expecting an increase all wow. well, the market is yeah. now well, here's the thing though ben we have seen some some you know announcements being made from some pretty mu uh, big multinational companies if we do see a, a significant drop or even a small drop in that number that could be a catalyst to the move to the upside when we start seeing this deteriorating yeah. data coming from the Fed, right? Yeah, real quick, I just want to point out, you mentioned October normally a very traditionally a volatile month. September, not a good month for shareholders, right? Oftentimes investors. Uh, but but I saw something, a stat, I think 30% usually increased volatility over the average of the month's volatility, monthly volatility throughout the year. So we should expect a little bit more of this to continue. And to your point there, I mean, this is uh, that jolts number, the expectations to the upside here, obviously setting up for potentially a big miss if we do see a lower, a lower number here. Yeah, and that could be the catalyst to the move to the upside. I don't think this is going to be the, the all-out bottom, Ben. And I think from a charting standpoint, I think you uh, believe in Dow Theory. I believe in it as well. Uh, we probably have a little bit more of a leg down um, as we are kind of seeing these uh, you know, sale, uh, moves to the downside here. It seems like we're hitting a shelf. It's a pretty significant shelf that we are hitting. Uh, but we do have some potentially some moves to the downside. And we've heard a lot of analysts, a lot of market uh, technicians out there that are looking at the 3,400, 3,300 level. Mm -hmm. So we still have about, what, 200 points left mm -hmm. to go here. So that data is going to be very important. I also think that OPEC uh, meeting is going to be somewhat important as well. I'm not going to say it's going to be very important when it comes to the equity market. We might see a little bit of movement, but I think from the crude market, I think it really is going to provide a little bit of a support here for these prices. We know that OPEC and uh, especially uh, the Saudi Arabia uh, does not like the fact that prices are getting down to uh, uh, levels where they're still making profit, uh, but it's a lot less from uh, having oil at $100 or $110. So it seems like they're trying to create a little bit of a floor here, mm -hmm. a million barrels per day. But at the end of the day, Ben, they've been missing their target targets for the last two, mm -hmm. two and a half years. So, you know, it's more potentially just symbolic compared to what the actual output is going to be. But I do believe that we will see some political pressure on that front, too. Yeah, prior to these demand concerns coming into play, there was uh, talk of could they increase production and yet spare capacity was somewhat limited, even as they were falling short of already promised levels. Let's talk about, again, OPEC, good point. I like that. Jolts, uh, it sounds like you think if those numbers come off a little bit, that could ease some of the market's concerns in terms of a heated up economy, right? If we were to see a lower than expected number there. But uh, all of this obviously leading into the big jobs report on Friday, the number non-farm payrolls, you saw a pretty good number 
number on Thursday. Last week, the weekly jobless claims below 200,000 again. Uh, I mean, uh, first time since the summer. I mean, that's a, a significant, uh, a solid number there. Uh, what are we looking for on Friday? It looks like 3.7 in terms of unemployment and non-farm payrolls up 250,000. Yeah, I'm looking at 250000 to 265000 is really what the street is looking for. So it will be a little bit difficult because you are right. When we see the week-to-week -week unemployment claim numbers, they continue to go down and they mm -hmm. show very strong uh, labor market. But also, you know, the key can be the participation rate. So we can have a low number when it comes to non-farm payroll, the employment change itself. But if we do see an uptick in that participation rate, that could allude that uh, to uh, those that are on the sidelines still getting back into the market because mm -hmm. of economic pressure. Mm -hmm. That also could be a little bit of a bullish case. So we want to really focus on that participation rate. I think that's going to be the real key. The unemployment change itself, uh, it, you know, even the last number that we saw, we saw an uptick in um, in the participation rate, but the unemployment number itself or the non-farm employment change number came better than expected. And we still saw a little bit of a bump in the equity market. I think that's going to continue to be the trend here. We oftentimes talk about here on the show uh, these trends that you see, right, with higher rates. Will buyers come out of the woodwork? And ultimately, will that accelerate some of the uh, purchase kind of trends we've seen? But here in this instance, again, with some of those jobs maybe being taken off the table, as you mentioned, you have that jolts, those openings start to come off a little bit. Maybe uh, those potential uh, offers or those offers that are out there might get scooped up and people might take one of the two that they have right now instead of waiting for a third possibly uh, again. Uh, interesting times to say the least here. So these numbers will be closely watched, obviously, by the Fed. So us as investors, we should be dialed in on them as well. Uh, Kevin, let's move on from some of the eco data, some of the names as we kind of uh, wind down quarterly results. Last week, Nike reporting, obviously, one of the last of the big names that we watched. But I did see a couple uh, to keep an eye on this week. I saw Lamb Weston. I saw Conagra, I think it was, uh, uh, Levi's and uh, McCormick. What else caught your eye in terms of uh, names to keep an eye on this week as we gear up for uh, next quarter. The banks and some of the big tech names are going to set the tone for us immediately in the coming weeks. Yeah, I think those two names that you uh, brought up to uh, McCormick and, and ConAgra are going to be the real uh, test here. And they're not the most sexiest names when you talk about yeah. earnings, uh, but they really do give you uh, insight into the consumer behavior, especially when it comes to consumer staple type of goods. Mm -hmm. And when obviously when you're talking about ConAgra, you're looking at food here. I'm really curious to see what that is going to be because we have seen um, margins actually increase for a lot of uh, mm -hmm. food distributors, stores. Kroger is one good example. Um, I bring up Tyson Foods. Tyson Foods had uh, high, um, you know, record operating profits in their previous quarter that they reported here. Let's see if that's going to actually continue to stick. Because if that is going to be the case, Ben, then it might. Uh, in, in inflation itself, especially core inflation, may not come as uh, come down as quick as we might ho hope because it's getting eaten up into margins. And uh, you know, unfortunately, that's going to hurt the consumer. But I think that pr provides a really good gauge as to what the consumers are doing as far as uh, um, purchasing power and uh, behavior in general. Okay, so possibly McCormick could spice things up a little bit this week. Kevin, finally, I just wanted to get your thoughts here on uh, uh, the uh, U.S. dollar rates last week up to the 4% uh, level. I mean, obviously, all of this kind of factors into what we were talking about initially as far as the indices and the pressure they felt last quarter, their ability to kind of shrug that off this quarter and these focal points that investors have in terms of data, earnings, and some of the others. But uh, obviously, uh, the TNX and the U.S. dollar are also at the top of the list here as well as we begin this week. 
Yeah, so I would say we might see a little bit of a breather when it comes to the, to the dollar, a, a small breather. I think we probably may still have some movement to the upside. We know in uh, 2001, 2002, the dollar index did go up to uh, 120. So there is some move, uh, room to grow. But the reason why I say we might see a little bit of a, breathe, uh, a breather in uh, the velocity of the move of the upside is some stability in the British pound. And I think that was that really caused a lot of uh, angst in the marketplace here. Now, we also got to just keep in mind the euro itself you know, comprises of over, over like 50 percent 51 52 percent of the overall dollar index so the euro can still have some impact uh, but i do believe that when we find some stability in the british pound dollar is going to stay stable and when i'm looking at the commitment of traders report from the cftc ben um yes we are seeing hedgers uh you know hedge funds themselves they did increase their uh short positions on the uh, five-year on the two-year last week, but asset managers are picking up long positions in those uh, particular maturities. Mm -hmm. So we might see some longer-term um, longer trading or those that might be building up a portfolio starting to pick up some of these rates in the two-year and the five-year, maybe even the 10-year, because they may look attractive at this point in time. And yes, you're still going to have the hedge funds out there and the speculators are still going to uh, you know speculate and do what they do. But we tend to see that the asset managers' positionings are, uh, you know, are pretty strong. They pretty they last for a, a significant amount of time compared to some of the speculative traders, where positions can take uh, can be taken off in a week, two weeks, right? Mark was talking about some of those shifts in terms of uh, Treasury, something to keep an eye on in terms of yields. And just looking to your point at the euro currency, it has firmed up a little bit from 95.92 back to, well, still below parity by about 100 and uh, looks like 79, 180 ticks here, 98.20 we'll call it. But I want to point out also the yen has firmed up a bit or lost some of its momentum, that, uh, that trajectory to the downside. And lastly, to your point, here's the British pound again. It has firmed up significantly from 103.92 up to 112.31. So we're talking, well, we're almost 900 points here off that low right now, uh, a solid uh, uh, 850 points off. So, uh, Kevin, a great breakdown here. Appreciate you joining us here to help us get our uh, uh, focus here set on uh, uh, some of the uh, potential market movers here this week. And uh, uh, definitely a pleasure to have you with us here on the Future Show. Kevin Green, a contributor here across the TD Ameritrade Network.